And we are set to go, and hockey has arrived in the Sunshine State. With a shot, he scores! Martina Kucherov wins it in overtime! Saved by Vasilevsky, and he keeps it out of the net. Reaching behind him, he had it in his glove. Now for a feed in front of Kelly, he scores! And has won it in overtime! Steven Stamkos has reached 60 goals! Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Danker. How's everybody doing? Happy Saturday. Happy game day, everybody. Great episode on tap for today. But before I I, uh, I, I tell you what it's all about, please go ahead and like and subscribe to this podcast. Turn on those notifications wherever you listen to this podcast so you're uh, notified as soon as the episodes drop. And what an important, amazing episode do we have today. We have none other than Fox Sports Suns, uh, the voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Dave Randorf, on the show today to discuss the team and everything surrounding the Lightning, and well as his time before he came to Florida. So, uh, super excited for this one, and you know, uh, Dave and I had a, a incredible talk. So, uh, and before we get into that, let's just t- uh, talk about one of our sponsors today on the show, and that is Built Bar. Built Bar is the best pr- tasting protein bar. Ever. They got 18 amazing flavors. They got six new ones coming out. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious person. You could lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. So head on over to BuiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. So without further ado, it, here's my discussion with Dave Randorf. All right, so the Lightning are on one of the biggest roles right now of the season. Uh, thankfully, you know, early on, we've been talking lately about how an, a great start to the season was something that the Lightning definitely needed, as right now their winning streak is at six. And to join me on the show today, discuss a little bit more about that is the play-by-play commentator from Fox Sports Sun, and that is Dave Randorf. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Adam. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, it's uh, there's a lot going on down here. This is the day of uh, we're recording this on the day of the the boat parade for the Super Bowl champion Bucks. So uh, there's there's lots. It's the you've heard by now. They're calling this Champa Bay, and which I think is very cool actually. And hey, they uh, they've earned it. So it's it's a lot of fun to be a sportsman down here right now. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that is interesting about you coming into your first year with Tampa is that. You're, you're not coming into a situation where you maybe have a team that's really in the middle of a rebuild. You have a team that's coming off a, a championship. What? How does that make your job any easier when you're coming into to games talking about them? Um, hmm, let me think about that. Um, well, it's certainly fun to call a team that, is, as we sit right now, you just mentioned they're on a roll. They're nine one and one. I'm guessing if they were one nine and one, people would be chasing me out of town by now. <laughs> I would be some kind of bad luck charm but uh, uh it certainly helps that uh, they're winning and and they've been so uh you know good for the last several seasons that you know you've seen a lot of them you're very uh, aware and knowledgeable about uh, who's on the team and then the style of game that they've been playing and their their storyline arc to get to this point but um you know what i, I certainly didn't uh didn't plan it like this it just kind of happened all this way and, and it's a nice little side benefit for sure 
Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of who's on the team, I mean, we have pretty much a revamped Steven Stamkos. Now, now all last season on Locked on Lightning, we were discussing about how if, if only Stamkos could stay healthy, how successful that team could have been. And the Lightning proved, you know, as much as they want Stamkos to play with them on the ice on a night-by-night basis, uh, they had to really get the job done without him this year. And and really, what has stuck out to you with Stamkos this year that has really impressed you a lot? I mean, he's already a very impressive player, but uh, what from your perspective have you seen from him that has really impressed you the most? Well, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. We already know what he can do. He's the last guy in the NHL to score 60 goals. So we we know that he's an elite goal scorer and he's he's closing in on 500 and he's got lots more left in him. What has impressed me so much, in full disclosure, I, I'm from Markham, Ontario, so I, I saw Stephen play when he was 14, 15 years old at the local rink when word started spreading that there's this phenom that's going to be something. That So I took my boys out to go and watch watch him play for the Markham Waxers. So um, I'm, I'm just impressed that uh, the, uh, the mental and, and not only the physical strength that he's shown here, but the mental strength to battle through a lot of injuries. And just when he thinks he's healthy again, he gets shut down at the end of last season. And keep in mind, he was on a 15-game point streak uh, when he was shut down before the whole season got uh, paused. So he was having an excellent year. Then he thinks he's ready to go again. Then he gets hurt again going back into the bubble. I mean, that can take a toll. You know, I'm a sportsman just like you, Adam, just like the, uh, the men and women who watch and listen to your podcast. And one of the toughest things I think you can hear, an athlete can hear about him is that he's injury prone. Because he has no control over it. Mm-hmm. You know, you prepare, you work on your game, you do all the things right, you get your proper rest, you, you work out in the summer, you, you eat well, you take care of your body, and you just get hurt. Whether it's hockey or baseball or football, you know, some guys just can't seem to stay healthy for whatever reason. And I, I never say it. I, I, if, if I ever, you know, working a game or on television, I'd say he's, he struggles with injuries. I, I never say he's mm-hmm. injury prone because it's just something that's completely unfair. It's like, right. you know, the guy's probably thinking, really, again? And we all know his injury history. So here he is coming into a season. He recommits himself. He goes out there for that iconic three minutes in, in, in the Stanley Cup final and scores a goal and then not to be seen again until he's hoisting the cup. Uh, but also as you probably discussed, we all know what he was dealing with off the ice with his, his family and the tragedy that happened there. So uh, he's been through so much. So I'm really impressed with how he's battled through all this and prepared himself to, to come in here into this season and just play free and put himself in a position to be able to do what he can do. You've watched all the games, no doubt. You've watched every minute of every game. You've heard his comments where he says, I feel as good as I have in years. And it shows. He's up to six goals. He's uh, tied with the team lead in scoring, and he's slotted right back onto the top line when they need him the most. Can you imagine if he wasn't healthy and Nikita Kucherov is out? I mean, that's a massive hole that a lot of teams would never recover from. And uh, and here he is. They're, they're barely missing a beat with a 100-point guy out of their lineup, and he's a big reason why. So I, I'm very happy for Steven and his family. Uh, he's a, I, Now that I'm here... I really get a true sense of how important he is to this community and this mm-hmm. fan base. You know, you can see that from afar. Anybody who wears the C on their uh, jersey like you wear are on your T-shirt there. You're, you're not a captain in this league without being a quality person as well as a quality player. So we already know that about all captains. But now that I'm here, I really, really see it with Steven. He, he loves it here. He's important in this community and important in this fan base. 
And I'm sure that everybody is super happy for the results that he's helping deliver on the ice, but also for him personally. Right. And, and you hit the nail on the head right with there with saying, you know, it, it was one of those situations last year with nobody really knew how much they were going to miss him until, you know, he was unable to play and, and that they really proved that they could step up on the playoffs without him. But when he's on the ice, I mean, this year, this is the best I've seen him play in a long time, just how re-energized he is out there. And, but it does help that he has some help around him uh, technically uh, because of uh Nikita Kucherov being out. Braden Point is having a great year tied with him in in points and with the team. Victor Hedman has been playing well. Uh, one player that has really impressed me, and I'm going back to my New York roots right here with this, is Ryan McDonough. What is something with him that you have – I mean, his, his offense has been pretty good this year. Just the way he's positioning himself on the ice, especially moving up, that's something we saw – during the playoffs last year against Columbus, where Coach Cooper was really starting to get his defensemen more involved in the attack. What is something that you've seen, not just with McDonough, but with the whole defensive core, that has really impressed you? Well, I'll start with McDonough. I think uh, he's, he's not that he was ever a poor guy. I think, I think his skating's improved. I really think so. I think there is there's a, an, another level to his movement out there and his footwork. Uh, there was a play earlier on in the season where he closed down, I think, on – Someone who was trying to break away. I want to say maybe it was Max Domi with Columbus, but he came shot out of a cannon. And it was a replay that my partner, Brian Englom on, on Fox Sports Sun highlighted. And he came from out of the screen just and, and yeah. closed a, a, like a 15-foot, maybe 20-foot gap on a guy and took the scoring chance away. I really think these guys are so good at taking care of themselves and, and looking after their bodies. And I, I believe that at this stage of his career, and we've all been watching Ryan McDonough for a long time. I, I think he's taken his skating to another level. And perhaps he's healthy now. He, he was injured last year as well. And uh, he's playing freer as well. And he's also recognizing this is a coaching staff led by John Cooper, but now coached on the, the back end by Rob Zettler, a former NHL defenseman himself. They are encouraging guys to jump up. Everybody from Hedman right down, down to Luke Shen. They are all encouraged to... Uh, as they say, punch in and punch out. Get up, uh, join the attack, contribute to the push up the ice, but also get ready to play uh, defense and be back into position. And you can't do that without uh, good wheels and good footwork and good hockey sense. And, and Ryan McDonough has obviously all of that. But uh, I, right off the bat, I would say that his his footwork and skating ability, he hasn't have a ton of points yet, but he's been very noticeable getting shots on, getting shots on and, and putting pucks to the net and, uh, and joining the rush. The other guy back there that is just blowing me away night in that night out, I think maybe played his best game uh, in their last win. As we record this, it was a six, one win over Nashville is Mikhail Sergeyev. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even have 250 games yet. They say you don't really have a defenseman seasoned yet. Uh, when he comes in the league early, like Sergeyev does until he's played 300 games, judge him at 300 games. Well, you know, my partner, again, I'm going to quote Brian Engel, who knows a thing or two about defensemen in the NHL, saying if he was one, uh, he says he's way out of schedule. And, and I think anybody who just watches these games right now sees the, he doesn't have a goal yet, but man, the pass he made against the Predators in their 6-1 win uh, to Matthew Joseph was stunning. And he's, he's making a lot of plays like that. He's stepping up. He's confident in, in moving in and making moves. He's got great hands. He's a big guy. Yeah, uh, he's plus. I don't know. I, I can't remember what I don't know what he is right now, but he's he's leading the team. In fact, he's one of the top defensemen in the NHL. What is he around plus 10? You're looking yeah, up he's right at now. 10. 
yep. plus 10. That's one of the top plus minuses in the league for yep. defensemen. So, uh, again, you know, obviously they score a lot of goals and then you're going to have that. But, but it's, again, no mistake that he's, he's that high. So he is uh, really uh, something the Lightning fans should be excited about because while Victor Hedman and now Ryan McDonough get the headlines probably back there because of their experience level and, and Hedman's, you know, trophy case to go along with it, uh, wow, Sergeyev, uh, you know, that was a big re-signing. That, that extension they gave him just before Christmas, huge. And, and the other defenseman that has really, really blown me away, and, and you and Brian talked about him extensively uh, early on in the season, was Cal Foote. Uh, that explosive slap shot he has from the blue line and his ability to see his uh, create – create open ice for, for his teammates and find them on the rush. Uh, what is, what has really surprised you early on about him and his limited play? Well, yeah, this is the first time I've certainly seen him. I knew about him, obviously you keep track of who's coming up in different teams. And uh, I knew that, uh, and we know his history, his father played 1100 games and won Stanley cups with the Colorado avalanche and played for Canada and the Olympics and uh, all that. So it doesn't surprise me the poise that Calfoot has. He comes from a hockey family. Mm -hmm. He was a captain of his junior team in Kelowna, which is a very good program. Uh, you know, his brother's a first-round draft pick, obviously, as well, also the Lightning. He was traded in Jersey, uh, so he, he, he's going to have to wait to play together. But it doesn't surprise me, you know, when you when you have those genes and that bloodline and that, yeah. and you soak in what it means to be a pro, you know, they learn that from their dad, who, uh, you know, obviously has, uh, has got credentials uh, galore, but I, I gotta admit, the, the shot is surprising. He's unleashed a couple of howitzers that we've seen. He's not forcing things. That's not his game. He's playing within his system. I mean, this is a guy who's been close to making the team before, but ultimately been sent back. Mm -hmm. And they've kind of spoon-fed him a little bit and made sure that he knew exactly what areas of his game he needed to work on. And he has. He's playing within himself. They are not playing him every night. Uh, they don't have to, and nor will they because that's, in their minds, not the right way to do it. Right. But uh, when he has been out there, he has made, I can't think of any glaring defensive mistakes he's made. And when he's been in a position to let that shot go, I think he's surprised a few. I know he surprised Becca Rene <laughs> on his first NHL goal. Yeah, I, I'm sure Rene went, who is 52? What? Who is that guy? Because I wasn't expecting that. You know, uh, he buzzed one right past him. And Rene is, uh, you know, 360 wins. In his career, uh, yeah, they, they, you can tell when goalies uh, take note of a shot like that. So that is a, a nice, uh, pleasant surprise to his game. Yeah, I mean, the maturity level to just stay and play within yourself and trust the coaching staff to help you develop over the course of the season uh, goes an absolute long way for a guy like this. And, and speaking of uh, surprises. Well, you know what? Be before you move on, yeah. I'd just like to add to that. Think about it. Put yourself in, in, in the shoes of a guy like that. Yeah. The, the natural inclination would be to do too much. Right, of course. You want to make yourself noticed. You want to show that you, you belong. You want to show your coaches what you can do. But they all, all they want you to do is this. And you're trying to do this just to make sure you – it's like, it's like you know, when your first day in the job, you want to try to do everything. You want to try to impress your new bosses. When really that's not what we need you to do. And, yeah. you know, as you go on your career, you understand the importance of that. But as a young guy – to grasp that right off the bat and to be in this room, you know, with Hedman and McDonough yeah. and, and Stankos and all these veterans, uh, that can be an intimidating environment. And he, he handles it well, because again, you know, he, he's been around it his whole life. 
Yeah, I was saying on my show a, a couple of weeks ago about how if he just stuck with what got him there, there's no reason as to why he could he could stay on this team and contribute on a night base nightly basis. And and speaking of speak uh surprising Pecorine, the two shots from Anthony Sorelli a couple of nights ago on those very awkward uh along the board shots. Uh Anthony Sorelli has, in my mind, taken leaps and bounds since last year. And he's definitely in the selfie uh, selkie talk this year. Uh I, I mean, he is really, really, I think all these guys as well, Sergachev, uh, have really matured. And, and a big part of that is is playing in the playoffs on a, on a year-by-year basis. I mean, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't hurt anybody's uh, development when you're, when you're going deep into the playoffs year-by-year. Um, and, and, and talking about uh, the last couple of games um, and, and kind of looking back at the, the standings, um, are the lightning, I guess we could, I guess we could agree that the lightning are at where we thought they were, but there was a couple of, there was a couple of days or weeks there where it, they were almost at the bottom of the table, but that had to do with the fact that the schedule has kind of been skewed a little bit due to COVID, uh, protocols and games being postponed. Um, how frustrating is that just from your point of view, um, being a commentator, prepping for games, getting ready to do a game on, on a night. I can only imagine how it is for the players in, in preparation, but from your job coming in to, to tell, talk to everybody about what's going on as the game's going on, how frustrating has that been for you? <laughs> well, yeah, let me preface this by saying, you know, uh, don't feel sorry for me. It's the players that I, you really feel sorry yeah. for. And you, you did say that, but I want to back that up. But yeah, you know what? I mean, I came down here and, uh, I hadn't called a game. My last game was in March. I did not work in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of guys did, and I, I did not. So my last game actually was on Hockey Night in Canada. It was a Saturday night game, a, a main game. The Montreal Canadiens were in Florida to take on the Panthers. The night they they raised Luongo's number to the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so I was kind of chomping at the bit, too. That was a long time. Yeah. You know? Long time to go without calling a game. And, you know, I, I found myself doing some mental reps and, watching games on TV and then I get this job and I, it all happened very, it was a long process. And then when it happened and everything yeah. <laughs> all happened at once. Um, so I came down here, moved to a different country, different city, all that. And then, you know, I, thankfully I've done a lot of prep already and, and was ready to go, but uh, then a bunch of games got canceled. So yes, I, I'm like a broadcaster and a play-by-play man is, is a lot like a player and that you get into right. a rhythm and a routine um, you know, every second or third day, certainly there's, there's a game to, to cover and already everything is different because there's no fans in the building when they're, they're at home. And then there's nobody at all in the building when they're on the road. It's just me and Brian, literally in this giant uh, room by ourselves, uh, with a basketball the Raptors basketball court <laughs> on the, on the, where the ice should be. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it was, yeah, it was a little, uh, odd for sure, but, uh, Knockwood, the uh, the Lightning and teams that are playing currently have been able to stay healthy and the schedule has held because uh, I definitely think that that was uh, hurting the, the team's performance early on. Yeah. Uh, a little, some flow in their game. Uh, when, when you combine that with the fact they had no no preseason games and, mm-hmm. and a very short training game, just like everybody else. So you add all that up and there was a bit of a stop and start back to their season. But now, I mean, they quickly picked up where they left off and and their game is rolling. And I, I think, I, honestly, I believe it's, it's getting progressively better each and every night. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you see it on a nightly basis. A uh, big part of that is the depth that this team has. 
Um, and, and, and it's funny that you brought up that you haven't, you know, broadcasted a game in a year. You know, you're kind of in the same boat as Curtis McElhenney was the other night going into his first game in a year. Um, but yeah, I mean, whether you're a player, you're an announcer, or even, you know, from my point of view, you know, not being able to talk about a game in a year, uh, in a couple of months or after that and stop and start, you, you got to stay fresh and all that. Um, so looking at the division, um, you know, it's, it's a weird how, how the division is lined this year, you know, you, the, the lightning have seemed to, you know, no disrespect to the other teams have sort of gone down a weight class. If you really look at what they're used to in the Atlantic division, as opposed to what now they're facing in the central um, right now, we have Florida in second place with 16 points, which believe it or not, to me, was a huge surprise. Yes. They have some big players like Aaron Ekblad and Alexander Barkov and Brabovsky in that, um, and, and then you have Chicago right now in, sec- uh, in third place as well. And you have a couple of other teams that are only separated by the point here and there. Uh, right now throughout the season, uh, very early on in the season, who has really surprised you from an opposition standpoint um, during your Well, we, we have not seen Dallas yet yes. live. I, yeah. I've watched games. I've watched games for, for every one of the eight teams in the division for sure. I, you know, I watched – we all do. We watch games every night. But – I think first first and foremost, you know, as a fan, you have to look at uh, check out the, the teams right now. You have to be careful because there there aren't you know four teams making it into the playoffs here out of this division. There are not four teams that are better than Tampa Bay Lightning. That's just not going to happen. Right. If they stay healthy and everybody's not wood okay and not affected by COVID or or God forbid some some injuries, they're not going to miss the playoffs. It's just a matter of where you where you seed where you end up with your seeding at that point. So having said that, you've got to still be careful because a team like Detroit is not going to lose all 56 games, right? They are going to get some games where they're going to win. They're going to beat you. Uh, this, they, you know, the old line is those guys get paid too. And, <laughs> and they're, and especially this year where you're playing teams two and sometimes three nights in a row, nobody likes to get beat two or three times. Like right. Nashville must be super pissed off right yeah. now. They were swept. They've lost four straight to the, uh, to the lightning and, and, and in sets of two, one, two here in Tampa Bay and mm-hmm. then two in, in Nashville. And that's going to bother them. And that's really going to come out the next time that they, they face each other. So you do have to have a healthy amount of respect. I think the lightning do. I also believe they got a, a strong belief in their system now and the way they play the game and the lessons they've learned over the last two years, really to get to this point. This mm-hmm. isn't, this didn't happen overnight. This started with the 62 win season and then the, you know, the boot, the, you know, the boot to the rear end there in the mm-hmm. first round against Columbus. Then they came back. And if you remember around Christmas of last season, mm-hmm. they were a good team. They were not a great team. In fact, they were right on the borderline there of a, of a wild card spot. To yeah. tell you the truth, they were, they were still gelling. And I remember having a conversation. I came in for a, a hockey night game on a Saturday night, Montreal again was in town and, and I distinctly remember having a, a little private, a little one-on-one with Stankos and Hedman separately. And they both said the same thing. We're going to be okay. We're, we're fine. You know, everybody was going, well, what's going on? Lightning 62 wins, uh, you know, the season before. And now they're kind of scuffling about. But they were still learning to play a different way when they were not going to shoot the lights out every single night and beat you 7-6. Right. They had to find their belief system in the structure and the recipe, as John Cooper calls it, to, to win in different ways. And it was that they won that night against the Canadians and then went on a ridiculous 21 game run 
where they then they became the great team. Mm-hmm. They, they were able to restart that in the bubble and, and the rest is history. So this is all taking place. So I, I think, you know, looking at the division, they're clearly the better uh, team here out of the whole group. But that doesn't mean they're going to finish on top. Florida, you know, it's early. It's only 10 games in, but that's a heck of a start. And I don't like ever saying, Adam, that it's early. They've got 16 points. You, they are in the books. That's yeah. it. They've got them. You yeah. and teams below there now have to catch them. So it's never too early, especially if it's 56 game season. So they uh, definitely got it going on right now. And it's not a huge surprise when you consider who their head coach is. And last year being a transition year for Quenville there, uh, you knew it was only a matter of time before he had a, an impact there and getting and getting a, a lot of good players to yeah. gel and, and play well in front of Bobrovsky. So. Um, and, and, and right behind them, Quinville's old team is the Chicago Blackhawks, who the beginning of the season, it, it, you know, it, the kind of the joke around with some of the hosts from Locked On was, well, they have a good, you know, record for any team in the Central, but they played Chicago the first week of the season. But Chicago has turned it around, cons- all things considering, you know, how they started the season getting beat. Uh, when I spoke with Jack Bushman of Locked On Ch- uh, Blackhawks, I was saying, you know, Playing Tampa, even though, yes, Tampa is the t- more talented team and they're just coming off a cup cup run, this might provide some some real, real motivation for this young Blackhawks team. You know, a guy like Adam Boyquist, a guy like Dominic Kubelik on, on Banner Night, if they see that happening and, and you have guys like Patrick Kane who have been the, around the block uh, already and have had three of those cups and, you know, Jonathan Taves, who might come back at any point, who knows, we're still not sure what's going on with him. But um, that could be a team that could turn it around relatively quickly, considering the amount of talent they do have. Really, the only thing that is holding them back, I believe, is their goaltending, which seems to be doing a lot better. But um, and then we have Columbus, which, you know, we all know what's been going on in Columbus the last couple of weeks. And then actually last night with Patrick Laine. Um, how do you view Columbus with Laine in the equation now? Do you think they're any any better or maybe the same? Um, because when I look at this division, really what it comes down to as maybe the one team that, you know, still is kind of the lightning should look over their shoulder for is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, yeah, I mean, and they've got a little built-in <clears throat> rivalry now with them, having been yeah. in the last two years in the playoffs. I'd say Columbus, you know, let's not forget the team they played in the Stanley Cup Finals too, yeah. <laughs> the Dallas That's Stars. Right. So the Dallas Stars are still there. And, uh, and Carolina, I think those are the teams that really pose the big threat. And, and sorry, and sorry. Florida as well. Uh, hey, seven, one, and two is no joke. And right. I don't know who knows if they can keep up an 800 winning percentage. I doubt it. But again, those points are already in the bank. So, and they've got an excellent goalie who hopefully for their sake is regaining the form that saw him uh, win a couple of business. So um, Columbus and Carolina are kind of the same team to me in that they, are, they work hard. They are, their work ethic is extremely high. Uh, they've got some talent to go along with it. When you talk about Aho and Tara Bynan and a couple other guys in Carolina, a couple of great defensemen in the back end as, as well. And then in Columbus, you know, don't sleep on uh, York Strand. Yeah. Max Domi had a 70-point season a couple of years ago. And now you throw in a, a guy like Patrick Laine with a 40-goal season under his belt and, and one of the top goal scorers since he came into the league. He's a legit sniper. He's already got, what, three goals, I think, for them already? Yeah. yeah. So – and, and, you know, they've got two goalies they go back and forth with that uh, at different times have proven that they can, they, they can shut you down. So certainly, and they're well coached as well. So certainly those two teams, uh, Carolina and Columbus, are, are dangerous. And, and 
Columbus right now is the only team to have beaten the Tampa Bay Lightning in regulation. So, uh, you know, give them credit for that. It, it's, it's, it's not the sexiest division because, you know, look, look at the, the Canadian division. I come from Canada. That's <laughs> the only division they're paying attention to up there. The yeah. rest of the league doesn't even exist right now. They're yeah. just loving all these, all Canadian matchups. And, you know, I get it. That's, that's how Canadian hockey fans are. And then, you know, you got the East division. You got a whole bunch of sexy teams there, right? Even yeah. the bad ones are, you know, you know, on national TV way more than any of these guys. It's just the profile. It just comes right. with the territory. But don't sleep on this division. This is a hard-nosed yeah. division full of some grit and some bite. Nashville, they're not happy with their, their record at this point, but they have shown they are going to push hard and, and scrap you and fight and hit and uh, scratch and claw. Same thing with Detroit a little bit. Detroit's had a lot of injuries. They're without Tyler Bertuzzi right now, too, their top goal scorer. So, uh, you know, I, again, I just, I just think that on a nightly basis, when you are playing a team two and three times in a row, like Tampa's about to play Florida three straight yeah. times. I can't wait for these games because I think by the end of the third one next uh, next week, I think we're going to have something here, uh, and I, I hope we do because yeah. you've never really had that interstate rivalry right. between these two. Yeah. Never. I mean, there's probably been brief periods when they both been good. You know, they've only been in the playoffs the same year three times. They've never met in the playoffs. They've only actually both been in the playoffs three straight years like i mean so one team's been good the other team's been crappy and mostly mostly florida right I mean, yeah let's tell it like it is and uh and now this you look at the standings they're one two in the division i think this is going to be awesome and, and it could be great to see hey i've i've since the day i started on locked on lightning i have sort of been rooting for the panthers in a way because i just want to see that inter interstate rivalry begin yeah. uh, and get a little bit more crazier there and like you said they have a couple of matchups with the with the panthers coming up so definitely going to see how that is uh i actually started the month with them with the lightning going you know finishing 10 and 4 and it looks like that they might finish even better than that which is is pretty incredible to see you know cuz like you i'm not taking these teams lightly at all you know even though i do view the Lightning is far superior as the other teams in division. You know, you can't take any teams, especially in the National Hockey League, uh, light. So moving on to just, you know, Lightning talk, let's talk about a little bit about you. Uh, you, you already stated that you worked for at Hockey Night in Canada, but you even before that, you worked at TSN. You covered the 2000-2004 Summer Olympics. You were in 2002 <clears throat> and 2010, the Winter Olympics. Uh how how amazing was that to cover an international event such as the Olympics, whether it's summer or winter? I mean, you had the pleasure of doing both uh, yeah. numerous times. What was what was that experience like for you? Unbelievable, like amazing, like you know. And the 2010 one is is in my hometown. That's yeah. Vancouver, is where I'm from. And it was such a uh, it was not only to be from the province of British Columbia or like me, the city of Vancouver, but to be a Canadian, it was a very very uh, amazing two to three weeks for all of Canada. Uh, it was a massive a generational event that'll probably never be as special, maybe again in my lifetime, when you consider the, the cycle of Winter Olympic Games and the, the cost that goes into putting it on and the, the, the amount of cities that can actually host it in Canada, uh, that's it's a big ask. So who knows if we'll see it again anytime soon. So just to be around those things, it's, it's, uh, it's special, you know? I, I've also had the opportunity to do a lot of world hockey championships, yeah. both world juniors and, and the men's world championship and the women's world championship. And those are great events. You know, I, I like the national stuff. It's, it's, um, you know, you, uh, 
it's especially when Canada's overseas. I did a called the gold medal game where Canada was playing the gold medal game in Moscow. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, we were a goal away in overtime in the semifinal, <laughs> getting Canada and Russia in that final, but Finland won that semi, and so it was Canada and Finland in the final. But those are great, uh, great moments to be around and to hear your national anthem on uh, on foreign soil. Uh, the sports fan in you uh, kind of comes out, and and it's it's great. I've been I've been very blessed to uh, have a lot of uh, experience, and TSN literally took me around the globe. And I'm not even just saying I've been a lot of places. I've literally been around the yeah. globe thanks to TSN. Uh, I mean, we're talking about one of the most iconic hockey goals hit ever in, in Vancouver in that Olympic game yep. with Crosby. And I mean, that will forever. I've, I've said it on other shows as well. That will forever live in my hockey nightmares. Uh, just, you know, I, I to this day, I remember, you know, thinking all they have to do is get one. All, all USA has to do is get one. And then, bam, Crosby breaks my heart yeah. once again. Now, to be clear for your listeners, I did not call that a game. That was not me. <laughs> Uh, that was not me in Canada, but, um, I was there and not at the game, but I was in Vancouver I was oh, that day and I, I was on, uh, my hosting shift started, you know, early on in the days. And, and so I remember I would walk down the street, you know, from my hotel, all the way down to the convention center in downtown of Vancouver to where our studios were. And that was the last event of the Olympics. It was a noon face-off on a Sunday, right. it's a beautiful sunny day. And I remember walking down the street at six in the morning to get, ready for my show which started at, that I was hosting at nine mm. and uh, already all the restaurants and sports bars at six in the morning were lined up around the corners for people just waiting to get into these places to 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 watch together you know if you didn't have a ticket which was an impossible ticket to get yeah. on, on that day I actually had a chance to, to buy one at face value just a single and part of me regrets not doing it I chose not to because you know what we did we in our studio we had a big huge screen and all of our crew we all came in sat together and watched it so it was great to do that it would have been cool to be in the building but i would have been by myself right you know or you know amongst everybody else but i would have been with a buddy or anything like right. that so uh anyway it was an amazing time and you're right that that goal was something else <laughs> and then after that, you moved on to do regional play-by-play -play for the Montreal Canadiens. And we spoke before we hit the record button how the expectations as, you know, in Montreal as to pose Tampa on a yearly basis <laughs> might be a little bit different. Um, uh, what was that, you know, maybe just the feedback that you had maybe uh, uh, as, the, you know, calling those games for such a prestige, prestigious <laughs> franchise as Montreal Canadiens? Yeah. I, I mean, I could only imagine what maybe if there was any some pressure that might have gone into with that. Well, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, it is it's. You know, I, I love seeing games here in Tampa, and yeah. I, there's lots of rinks around the league that are a great place to call a game. But I, I don't know it's hard to beat Montreal. And if, if any of your listeners have never been to a game in Montreal, you really need to go one day. It's uh, it is a, 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 a whether it's a Saturday night against the Maple Leafs or Tuesday night against the Minnesota Wild, it doesn't matter. If there's an aura on the in the entire city in the entire game day. You can feel it's it's game day in the city. It's cold in the winter. It's hockey weather. The rink is is beautiful. It's steep. You're, you're, the lighting is, is perfect. You've got all the Stanley Cup banners. It's a little Hockey Hall of Fame museum in there it's, with all the heroes that have played there over the years. So it's it's pretty cool. And to have uh, done that for four seasons with TSN was uh, was awesome before we lost the rights for a little while. And, and um, you know what? To tell you the truth, so 
the feedback you're talking about, I, I didn't get a lot of, you know, a lot of, really? you know, Uber criticism because, but at the same time, it was a little different because uh, there's two shows. There's the French show and there's the English show. And then, you know, there's a lot of the national shows on, on Hockey Night Canada, which at the time I wasn't working for CBC. So, you know, I had my allotment of games and everything seemed to go okay. And, you know, I, I, I don't really pay that much sense mm-hmm. to uh, the, uh, the, the uh, social reaction on Twitter that, you know, it can be rough sometimes. So, but it was split and fragmented enough where I think it went okay. But trust me, every night I walked into that, uh, that rink and, and into that booth, which is the best booth in the NHL, the way you're situated high and right, right on top of the ice is uh, spectacular. And I cherish those years for sure. And I still cherish every time I get to go in there to call a game. It's, it's special. And I urge anybody, put it on the bucket list. Yeah, and one story that comes to mind when you when you just mentioned the aura was uh, uh, one that my father told me back when he was in college. He, him and a couple of buddies drove up to Montreal and they got to watch Canadians uh, Maple Leafs in which Guy Lafleur uh, scored four goals uh, to, to wow. yeah and, and yeah like you know said. and the roar they probably can still hear the roar of that crowd. I mean, yeah. you're talking about an iconic Canadian. Yeah. I mean, and they've had a long list of guys that are heroes there, but. Guy Lafleur, if not at the top, is in the top three for sure. Uh, maybe top two of of, of heroes. Uh, you know, Rocket Richard, Jean Bellevue, and Guy yeah. Lafleur. That would be it. That, that's your Mount Rushmore right there. And then yeah. a whole bunch of other guys that are big time hockey Hall of Famers as well. But I don't think anybody would argue that that was probably a special moment. I had a very special moment as a Canadian kid who grew up uh, watching hockey in Canada. I, I did get to call a Montreal Toronto game on a Saturday night, which was uh, a huge night i'll never forget and uh my uh, my late grandfather i'm sure was looking down on me that night very proud so you grew up a canadians fan um correct um a little bit uh i i was born in toronto and uh you know i uh before i moved to vancouver uh, as when i was around 11 or 12 so i i was born in toronto and grew up there and obviously the leafs the team but when i was a kid you know in the late 70s i have vivid memories the Leafs weren't a great team. And this is when the Canadians were winning four right. cups in a row. <laughs> they were the dynasty. And, you know, you're, you're impressionable when you're a young kid. And I've got vivid memories of my mom and dad. They'd go out on Saturday nights and they'd drop us off at my grandparents' place. And I would go watch games in the basement with grandpa. And he would make us fried bologna. And we'd have Carlton <laughs> Colas, the type of cans that you had to open with the can opener. <laughs> there was no pop top, no screw top, nothing. You had to actually get a can opener to open the can of Coke. And uh, we did all that, and and I, I I can, you know, name all those guys, including including the guy I work with now, Brian Engel. He yeah. was on those teams. I mean, that's unbelievable in itself. So, uh, yeah, I, I probably did have an allegiance towards uh, the Canadians and Gila Fleur. You know, my first uh, jersey was a a Lafleur jersey. So, um, it's it was kind of kind of cool to uh, come full circle and call a game there against the Leafs. Yeah. years and years later it took me a while to get to that spot but it, it was special but you got there and then after that you, you you move on to hockey night in canada which is i mean every hockey fan knows hockey night in canada what was that experience for you like to to really be the voice of hockey in canada for for a couple of years there yeah i was there for six seasons and uh i'm not gonna lie adam i'm very proud of those years it's is uh i was very happy at tsn uh, tsn was great to me for a long long time and then this it was a big, big story in Canada where Sportsnet bought all of the national rights, every all of the national right. rights 
Uh, they have three national nights, Wednesday night hockey, Hockey Night in Canada Saturdays, and the Sunday nights they do a show called Hometown Hockey. And so all the national games were there, and um, my phone rang and said, would you be interested in moving or jumping over to us? And it was hard to turn down because of the allure of working on Saturday nights and, and hockey night, and, and I made the move. And uh, I'm super proud of those six years. A lot of guys would uh, love to call, you know, one game on, on a Saturday night, and I got to do it for six seasons, and I – I got to do uh, Stanley Cup playoffs and a Western Conference final. That's a yeah. short list as well. So uh, of guys who get to call, you know, games that late in the season. So yeah. I'm, I'm proud of those days and they're very, very special. And there is still something special about doing Calgary and Edmonton on a Saturday <laughs> night or, or, uh, you know, as I say, Montreal, uh, Toronto on a Saturday, you know, yeah. it's, it's a different night of the week in Canada. It's a, it's a tradition. So I, I look back at it fondly. But I'm happy to be here now, for sure. Well, that that's, I mean, you deservingly so should be proud of that. That is, I mean, I don't know how many people could say that they've they've really, you've really traveled the globe, whether it's a, <laughs> completely around the world or, I mean, just around the hockey world. Um, and before we let you go, I, I um, you know, just want to thank you for coming on. I mean, I know you're, oh, no problem. High, like you said before, you're on every show uh we hope to have you back maybe later on yeah. in the season of course um, of course it's locked on lightning i expect to be <laughs> on like regularly let's go <laughs> and one last thing i just want to ask you for you know when you stepped into this role and then we'll let you go what was it like to step into you know fill the shoes after rick peckham left uh, i'm glad you said this your last question this is i'm glad you asked this um this show is called locked on lightning and it catered to Lightning fans. Rick Peckham was the voice of Lightning for 24 years. Yeah. Pretty much the only voice they ever knew. Uh, wasn't there right at the start, but pretty much. And he's being recognized by the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah. You talk about it. I just mentioned short list. Well, there's a short list for you. His last goal, his last goal call, a Braden Point overtime winner to win a series. Think about that. You've announced your retirement. You know this is your last season. You don't know how it's going to end. And now he gets into that game. He knows the next goal is the last one he's going to call. After 40 years of calling hockey, the next goal, you want to make sure you, you do it clean and have a good call. Problem is, he's doing it from a booth in Tampa Bay. The game's being played in Toronto. And he's doing it off a screen, a television screen. I mean, the, and he nails it. It is the... Or the the hockey equivalent of the walk-off grand slam home run in the, in game seven of the world series, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, so I am very well aware of how important Rick is, is still is to lighting fans. And I, I came in and got this opportunity to take this job. I'm not replacing Rick at all. I'm taking over the job because he's leaving and he's happy and he's good. I've spoken to him. I played golf with him. He's playing golf and he's, he's done. He's, he's happy. So somebody's going to take the job, so I'll take it. But I'm not replacing Rick Peckham. I'm right. just going to try and be myself and be as – I've said in the past, I, I want to bring to Lightning fans the same professionalism and passion that he brought night in and night out. And that's that's what it means to me. Well, I have to say, I think, uh, and a lot of Lightning fans could say this as well, is uh, in terms of the broadcast uh, value, I mean – they haven't skipped a beat and you're doing a great job out there and continue to do it. We really appreciate you bringing lightning hockey to us this year. Thanks. That's, that's really nice to hear coming from you and your, uh, your listeners that that means a lot because uh, I'm a sports fan too. And I know it's important and uh, uh, that that's, that's nice to hear. And uh, we'll, we'll keep on trying to crank it out. Right. Of course. So Dave, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you coming on. And like I said, we'll have you on uh, 
we'll have you on the show later on the season to uh, maybe do a little bit of a summary of what's happened since our last talk. Good stuff, Adam. Thank you very much for having me on and great to meet you. And a huge thanks to Dave for coming on the show. Uh, as you could tell, you know, this was, we spoke earlier on in the week. So there was a, we did miss that, obviously that, that last Panthers game, the first Panthers game actually in which the Lightning did lose. But uh, you know, like, like you said, we'll, we'll have him on later on in the season to see, you know, what, what Dave has, if maybe his thoughts have changed somewhat around some of the players on this team or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, uh, Dave hit the nail right on the head with the Panthers and how tough of a, of a team they are. And as well as a lot of the other teams in the division, I'm in, I'm very curious to see uh, how the lightning will stack up against Dallas. I think they'll be fine. Uh, before we end things on the show, I just want to talk to you about one of our other sponsors on today's show, and that is Bet Online AG. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your bet on all the sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you could imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use the, your mobile device, your phone, to sign up today and receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the, the top number one online sports experts and the official exclusive betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. So when you go sign up for that free account, use promo code Locked On. Don't forget to use it for that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online. So yeah, a great talk with Dave. Can't wait to have him back on the show. And yeah, this was something that I was looking we were both looking forward to for a couple of weeks now. We finally got together and did it and uh yeah, uh and keep uh keep an eye out uh for the tomorrow's episode. Yeah, we'll be releasing episodes on the weekends now here and there. Uh, I want to try and go every single day. I'm I'm ready to go. The Lightning are playing the best hockey even though they did lose. That last matchup with the Panthers, I fully expect expect them to bounce back tonight uh, before, uh, you know, the game. Obviously, listen to this. And if you're listening to this, obviously, you know, you, you're doing the right thing. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore lightning. Follow us on Instagram at locked on underscore lightning. Give me a follow at AP Danker, D-E-N-K-E-R. Uh, and like I said, we'll be putting out more episodes frequently, not just during the week, but as well on the weekends. So that's been it for today's episode of Locked On Lightning, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Danker. I'll talk to you on the next one.